Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are chock full of that, man. Damn right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Cause Stone Cold said so. If you're gonna blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with a huge edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. This is obviously one of the biggest weeks we've had in the history of this show. So we're not going to waste any time and we'll get right into it. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well. How about yourself? I'm wonderful. And Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UTL America 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamlets, the Tiger Cats, and the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree. Whenever that T-ring comes in, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he's a card-carrying member of DBU, and he's an All-American, so he's got that black card. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod, What's how up, are you? I'm doing great, man. Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Absolutely. So to go. We've got to talk the Louisiana Tech win. We're obviously going to be heavy with Texas and LSU couple of top 10 teams getting ready to duke it out at DKR on Saturday. We'll hear from Barton Simmons. Barton is the director of scouting at 24-7 Sports, and he covers college football for CBS Sports. We'll hear from Barton. Also, we'll hear from Mike Roach, the recruiting editor at Horns 24-7, my co-worker who will go over what is shaping up to be a huge, a massive list of visitors, especially in that 2021 class where there should be some good battles between Texas and LSU on the recruiting trail and we'll do predictions all kinds of stuff i know rod has done a deep dive on joe brady i i've made a just a off the cuff comment about just a quick observation i made and rod just went full on into joe brady so i want him to make sure he's got plenty of room to get all this joe brady information out there with this lsu offense first off before we get do anything else Thank you, everybody, so much for your continued support of the show. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to like us and leave us a review. Your support is very much appreciated. Also, uh, Mike and the guys at Last Stand Hats will be out and about this weekend, laststandhats.com. Uh, they'll take care of all your game day needs. Seeing a lot of Last Stand wear uh, when I was out on Bevo Boulevard on Saturday heading to the stadium. So make sure you get to laststandhats.com and or you know, find Mike on Twitter right. and look for him. Uh, he'll be around the stadium uh, on Saturday, and uh, really any any time you need uh, anything, just go over to the folks at LastStandHats.com and they'll take care of you. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get into it. Texas wins forty five fourteen over Louisiana Tech. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those deals, Rod. Thinking about this game, big picture, I said what this needs to be is the kind of game that if you're just a random college football fan, you're not a diehard Texas fan you should just be able to look at like the AP top 25 and say number 10 Texas. Oh, they beat Louisiana Tech 45-14. Cool. That's what you expect the number 10 team in the country to do. We all, everybody's got psychological issues around this place because of the two Maryland losses. But, you know, and, and Rob, we actually talked about you know, Louisiana Tech, they do have talent. And, and this was a team that, that did go to Baton Rouge last year and gave LSU a game they were in for a long time. Amen. 
they were never in this game. No, not really. Yeah, and they couldn't find a way to get their best players to football, too. I mean, and I said going into this game, I thought watching film, uh, Jaquist Dancy was one of their better running backs. He didn't see the football a lot. Adrian Hardy, we've all talked about him and how spectacular he had been last season. That was his breakout season. They didn't find a way to get him the football until the second half. I want to say it was like seven minutes mm-hmm. uh, left in the f- second half. Like that's, The game was pretty much over at that yeah, point. Yeah, so that's that's their fault, man. They should have got those guys. And early on, the crazy, the crazy thing was they were actually, you know, they were, they were moving the ball, like throwing the football, kind of attacking the edges for Texas. Uh, they just can never get into a groove. And their, their their special teams, which we talked about, was atrocious, came back to haunt them. Every time they got a little bit of momentum, it was killed by their special teams. Including, when's the last time we saw Texas look really good on a kickoff return and bust a nice kick return? Hey, man, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, you saw that with David Duvernay. I'm with you, man. That was right there. You saw the immediate return on that investment. That's the longest kickoff return Texas has had since the 2017 season. That's crazy. Yeah, I know that ESPN <laughs> has some new metrics this year, and if That's you crazy. look at the ratings across offense, defense, and special teams, uh, it was Texas graded out one of the best in the nation. It was like a 97.1 on special teams. There you go. And I, I said that's one of the hidden advantages in that game mm-hmm. in Texas. I would think dominated them on special teams in every respect. Yeah, yeah. E- even though, I mean, Cameron Dicker did miss a field goal, Louisiana Tech's kicker missed two. You missed two. And, Rod, let's talk about the Louisiana Tech offense against the Texas defense because that's where we can get into some meaty discussion. Uh, even though you know we won't stay on Louisiana Tech too too long. No, we won't. But we got a review, right? But you know when I look at that that Louisiana Tech offense against that Texas defense, they did have some success moving the ball between the thirties, really. But it's almost like that Texas defense. It, it, it kind of reminded me of like the way Gene Chizik used to coach defense, the way mm-hmm. Greg Robinson used to coach defense. It's almost like the closer you get to the red zone, defending the red zone, it's almost like you get a heightened sense of urgency. Well, I think it feels shrinks for you, so it makes things easier, right? You don't have to as much the field to defend. Exactly. And I think in the modern age of football, as we've talked about on this show, situational football is what matters. I know right. some Longhorn fans were upset that they, you know, Texas, they gave up a lot of passing yards. Mm-hmm. And I, was like, I don't you know, really care about that. Yeah, I was like, don't, don't, don't look at that. Football is so situational now. So you want to look at third down defense, you want to look at red zone defense, you want to look at fourth down defense, and you want to look at turnovers. And if you're up by 30, they're going to have inflated passing yards. Yeah, so and I think the turnovers to me, that's what to me, that's a Todd Orlando defense performing at its highest level cuz ultimately, I believe all the deception, all the disguise, all the pressure and the speed that he puts on the field it's all to force yep. turnovers. That's the cheat code for Todd Orlando. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing that, to hell with the yards, to hell with everything. Yeah. You're getting your your offense back to football. You know? A less sophisticated version of that in the Big 12, we saw it several years ago with that Bill Young defense at Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, State exactly where right. they were, I, I want to say they had 44, 45 takeaways the year they won the Big 12 yeah. in 2011. They weren't even worried about the situation. Right? They are just like, look, if we just get this offense with Brandon Whedon and Justin Blackman, just get them an extra possession or two, you got a good chance to win the ball yeah. game. But, you know, I go back to the red zone, though, and kind of Texas bowing their neck in the red zone. Uh, you know, I, 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 when you look at, again, kind of those hidden yards and, and, and situational statistics, yeah. fourth down stops, those are as good as turnovers to me. In my, and Texas had two that. of those. And we know, especially in the Big 12, if you hold somebody to a field goal, that's as good as a stop. And when those field goals are missed, hell, you can count those as turnovers too. So there were really, if you count the three turnovers, the two fourth down stops, plus the two missed field goals, 
That's seven times you got the offense the ball back yep. without giving up anything. Totally agree. Yeah, and I think that's how you got to look at it. You got, your definition of defense has to change. The yardage. And, uh, hold on, we got the uh, LSU, and I was kind of look at the, uh, the, the yardage that LSU gave up to Louisiana Tech. LSU gave up 330 passing yards to Louisiana Tech and 21 points in week four. Texas gave up, uh, I want to say, 340 passing yards yep. and 413 total yards. Uh, I think LSU gave up 417 total yards. Just just so you could have right. perspective LSU on it. LSU was a good defense last year, a top were, defense hell, in the they, nation. You could argue they were better last year. Just in the, in the yeah. secondary, they had greedy in a couple of I mean, basically, guys. yeah, if you swap out Devin you know, White. Derek Stingley. Devin White. Yeah, if I mean, you swap you, out Derek Stingley for Greedy Williams, then it's the same secondary they have this year. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, just perspective. It's not that big a deal. Texas was in control of that game and – Todd Orlando's defense wasn't controlling And the, the defense was able to make yeah. big splash plays like we saw. You know, Huge it, splash plays. Exactly. And yeah. the fun thing was, was seeing where it was coming from. It was a lot of different names making those type of plays. And just understanding that it isn't, it's not a preconceived attack. There's going to be attack from all angles. And when you look even, say, talking about Hardy and being limited in the first half, it wasn't as if Jalen Green's following him around. That means that your other inferior no, it DBs it was. He, are yeah. making plays against him. I mean, that's big to think about him maybe not even getting the best DB and still not being able to be a part of the offense. They, they did. Tyrolando was smart. There were times that I noticed, at least with Jalen Green on the boundary, because Jalen Green is mm-hmm. playing the boundary corner and the other guy, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about, is playing the field. They did have a safety like shaded over. You would notice like late in the play, you'd see the safety come down. They have a safety uh, safety shaded over, which was smart. By I mean, it's always going to shade nobody that else side. that could beat That's you. That's why you have your strength I, yeah, on you the boundary I mean? and your guy um, like Jalen that over there. Well, it all depends because if your boundary uses your best corner, like A. McRobinson for Louisiana Tech, they played boundary and field, and he was the boundary corner. You, that's, that's what your, I'm saying. That's your best cover Green corner, is. but you don't always get help there. The point is, it's your boundary. Yeah. You're close to the sideline. It's an easier throw, but you got more help with the boundary. The harder throw is against the field. Mm-hmm. You those guys will get the safety help. So I think the adjustment was to move the safety to shade over Jalen Green to, uh, you know, really to shade, no, sorry, shade over Adrian Hardy, yeah. wherever he was. Mm-hmm. Like you said, I don't know where, depending on where he was in the Exactly. In the he was yeah. ne- he was sign- lining up most of the time on the field side, but there were times he lined up against Yeah, Green. that's their fault, man. Because, uh, yeah, you're right, Jalen, our best corner didn't even follow him around, and you yeah. couldn't get him open. Yeah. Rod, Rod I know uh, you talk it's about terrible. you know field and boundary corners. I know, you know, you've probably heard this, but I remember, you know, defensive coaches telling a boundary corner, Coach, where's the help defender? So that big white line right there? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's that, your help the defender. Ba- Boundary. That's, that's right. your help yeah. defender. That's your help. Exactly. I mean, I played in that system before, so yeah. I mean, that's usually when you're the best. You're the best cover corner. You can make more plays. You play in the boundary. But Jalen Green, by the way, he's he's legit. He's they a, tested him he's twice. A real deal. They tested him twice down hey. the field. And Rod, that's stuff you put on a training video. If you yeah. say, how do you play? You Man. know, the fade ball or the go ball, and do it in really good press man coverage with good technique. Oh, that's about as good as you can do it. Guys might bump and run a mm-hmm. lot of the time, too. I respect it. You know what I mean? Each I know, time he blitzed was so effective, too. And he would blitz from that boundary. He was one that tipped it. I, I'm sure they gave him the uh, – usually you give him the option whether you want to play off. You get, you get the discretion off or bump and run. You can tell he's aggressive because he plays bump and run when he can. When he's given the option, I'm mm-hmm. playing bump and run. Yeah. yeah. Love so it. let's stay in the secondary. We got to talk about this Cowboy package because we'd heard Love about it. Eight pack. DBs and – in theory, Rod, you can have this as a third and long package. And in some situations Passing in the Big 12, down. you can use it as 
maybe not a base defense, but you can use it in more than just yeah, situational. situational third and long. Depend on the situation. Yeah. So you talk ba- about passing down standard downs. It's almost as if this is what your yeah. passing down can be. And in the Big exactly. 12, you're going to have a lot of passing downs. Yeah. And some offenses are strictly going to be pass attack offenses. Exactly. So that could end up by your opponent being what you have 70% so, or something. So basically what it is, because everybody was wondering conceptually, well, I was wondering conceptually what's this thing going to look like because you know, we've seen a quarters package with seven DBs. I don't know that I've seen a package with, with eight DBs that's used extensively as Texas used theirs. Malcolm Roach over the ball, which as an athletic 290, 295-pound guy, that works. Joseph Osai and Jeffrey McCulloch flanking him basically lined up as you know four eye shades, but you know they're there to rush the passer. And then you've got DeMarvion Overshone, Chris Brown, and B.J. Foster lined up at linebacker depth, and then you're filling in the rest with – your two corners, and you got Josh Thompson out there, Stearns and Jones, et cetera, et cetera. Rod, I just felt like the way that Todd Orlando was able to dial up those blitzes, and we've talked about, especially like you know when Manny Diaz was throwing a lot of funk out there, we talked about how you know, the blitzes aren't clean. It's just the timing's off, and just it doesn't hit right. Every time they dialed up pressure, man, it's like it, it either got there, disrupted the passer, it was clean, uh, Brandon Jones even said after the game he was shocked even the times he blitzed how you know clean and free he was able to get through. But we talked yeah. about a ride when I was with you on the broadcast on Monday. This Cowboy package was built for DeMarvion Overshone. When you look at the guys that are going to benefit most from this package, 31's at the top of the list. You might as well call it the Overshone package. I mean, that's mm-hmm. where he, he got in that package. He got his interception. Intercept. He also got the sack in that package. Um, and, I, and I went and tracked it. I want to say the um, the uh, this, the third and fourth. You look at third and fourth downs. All right, uh, that Texas had. They had seventeen third and fourth downs. They defended in ten of those third and fourth down situations. They used the cowboy package. Here's a result of those series. It was a punt. You remember the Kobe Boyce premature celebration that ended up in a 25-yard reception? That mm-hmm. was in the Cowboy package. Should have been in forced incompletion. Uh, the sack by Overshone. Um, there was a missed tackle by Overshone. Remember that? They, they went for 12 yards in the first down. He doesn't miss that tackle. You'll probably get that stop. He's in a position to. Another forced punt. Another incompletion. There was a fourth and five. Also an incompletion. So a turnover on downs. There was a fourth and four. They got a 13-yard um, reception on that one. There was a third and eight that went for an incompletion, a fourth and eight. That was the interception that got called back, Matt, as you talked mm-hmm. about with Joseph Osai, also in the Cowboy package. And late in the game, which means it also is going to be used as a prevent defense, it was used on first down, second down, uh, first down, and the interception by Overshone was also from the Cowboy package. At that point, he had Owens in there. He had all types of DBs in there, yeah. man. It was crazy. So, honestly, to me, like in 2017, when the Lightning package was arguably the most effective personnel package for the defense, I would argue that this in the Big 12 situationally, as Matt pointed out, against passing teams, depending on how you want to schematically game plan it, this is going to end up being their most effective defensive package. And could be and the you most want used. to see it more because that means they're in third and long situations exactly. or you're up big in games and they're forced to pass. And it's when Orlando gets to weaponize his defensive backs, which he's already done in his time as Texas. Like there's, I believe, no other school finished in the top five for DB Havoc for oh, each man. of the last two years. And both of the times it was Orlando. And then you have even more toys fitting into that. And now you get to recruit kids and actually show them on the field 
field what the pieces you brought in. And you can promise things to kids, but when they actually get to see it in action, it's a whole nother level. And, you know, you talked about a couple missed tackles, and, like, that was sort of only the thing that worried me a tiny bit when watching this team while you watch LSU and how they like to attack because their whole goal is sort of a mirror of what we saw from Texas early on, getting the ball out to the playmakers in space and comes into those one-on-one battles, and that's why you love this package so much because you know if you have seven DBs out there, if you're talking about guys in one-on-one in the modern spread against highly skilled players in short spaces – you want to have as many of those guys that can make those plays on defense, and there's seven or eight of them out there for Texas in this package. Totally agree. Right, I think the guy that surprised me the most outside of Jalen Green was Joseph Osai. And yep. we mm-hmm. saw in the spring how, you know, we know obviously about him, you know, running on the wheel route with Jordan Whittington. And, but it's one thing to see that in a spring game and say, okay, can that carry over and translate to the regular season when you're in a game against somebody in a different color jersey? And it, yeah. it's not conventional for him to be 6'4", 250, 255, and as long as he is to, to be able to turn his hips and, and move the way he does. Man. But, man, he does it. Yeah. And whatever package you're running, you're a cowboy, lightning, whatever, 46 has to be on the field. Stays on the field. He's that chess piece. He's like the queen. He yeah. can do everything. He stays on the field. And I think that if you're Todd Orlando, that's exactly what you needed with from this linebacking core. You know, we thought, you know, coming in, Jeffrey McCulloch, you know, he would be your guy who brings the veteran experience. We didn't know about a day away, but at least he was consistent. You needed somebody to step up and be a playmaker in that position group. Remember, that was a concern for mm-hmm. us. Who's going to be that guy? Right. No longer have to worry about that. That guy jumps off the screen. Yeah. And that's He's what makes that your guy. team so good when yeah. you have your five it, stars and then you well, have that guy come up and join well, at that group. No question. But And that, what makes him special is, though, he can play – you can go the four-man front and he can be your outside DN. You'll notice at times <laughs> basically Taquan Graham's playing D-tackle. Mm-hmm. They're basically playing a four-man front with Osai at DN and maybe uh, Roach at DN, Keandre Coburn at D-tackle, and basically um, you know, Taquan Graham is so tight, he's basically playing another D-tackle. You know what I mean? And that's what you can do with Osai. Or you can drop him back because he's a freak. Right? He's like a wildebeest out there. You, mm-hmm. can, you can drop him back in coverage, and he can run. He can run with guys that you need. He can defend running backs. He's the guy. He was, he's the perfect chess piece uh, for the Todd Orlando defense. It's hard. Never has to leave the field. I, I'm not making this comparison. Him and Malcolm Roach. Actually. I'm not making this direct comparison, but when I see his body type and just see how he runs – it kind of reminds me, like, you know, we talk about linebacker because I think that really on defense is really the toughest position in recruiting to go evaluate and try to project and figure out what you need. But as a Cowboys fan, I look at it, I'm like, wouldn't everybody just love to have, like, Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith? Like, because those are oh, in yeah. today's game. You like, that's your, have a, yeah, that's your like ideal that. inside linebacker group. And yeah, I, just think, I just think Joseph Osai, when I look at Leighton Van Der Esch and I look at Joseph Osai, I'm like, at the college level, yeah, he's that same type of guy where he never has to leave the field, and you can just put him at that second level. And, and yeah, it does look kind of unconventional, but he can go chase it down. Yeah. No, I think, uh, again, and we'll see against LSU because that'll be the test of the hybrid, right? Can you defend up against the power running game and guys who are in NFL caliber guys and also be able to cover the ultimate speed in space because LSU will now test that. I think Joseph Osai, that's a that's – 
Like that's a godsend, and, yeah. and it's it's perfect for a <laughs> it guy really like is. Orlando. Whenever you see with the fit for the conference first, but like as Jeff said, it's an un, what is viewed or looked at from just generic football terms as an unconventional play. Yet in Orlando, it's a perfect fit, and he seemed pretty confident that this guy. He wasn't worried about this position grouping that something would work, and just being able to identify. And even if it isn't say the the norm or the popular popular pick or idea to go and put the person like this in that situation. There never seemed to be any hesitancy or anything from the Texas staff. They see, identify, and develop, and then they put out there and empower and let them go play. Rod, doesn't that crack you up when you hear people say stuff like NFL personnel guys? Like, I'd love to have two linebackers like the Cowboys have. Wouldn't everybody? Everybody would love that. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, they don't make guys like that. Those are no, freaks. Exactly. You know what I mean? Um, especially in the modern age of football. And they don't make them like Joseph Osai, man. It's, like I said, just... Well, well, now you got, like like you said, Overshone, he's the key to that that cowboy package. Joseph Osai, you could argue now, is the key to your 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 dime, your lightning, and your even your nickel yeah, package your base because nickel, mm-hmm. you know you're you know you can and honestly I think the base defense is going to end up becoming the dime package honestly the lightning package I think ultimately in the end if you look at it basically first down he tried to come out with the three three five but most of the time he ended up deciding going three, with two, the three six. two six and going with the dime defense and then every thir- almost every third down that he got him in third and medium or long he went with the cowboy defense of eight dbs so i think ultimately just like in 2017 the lightning package was your base this will become the base especially once you get deep into big 12 play especially when you see more from those safety more from overshone more from chris brown more from bj foster more from josh thompson you're gonna go well hell I got to get these guys on the field. Yeah. Yes, also for side stays on the field, but do you really want to take guys off the field for? I love a day away, but man, at this point, it's about playmakers on the field. Exactly. So Overshawn going to force his way on the field. Your best he's 11. balling out in the Cowboys package. Well, and Cowboy I think package. that when you talk about this dime package mm-hmm. or the Cowboy package, that may be your best eleven. If you were looking at yeah. getting your best eleven on the field, and you have a good grouping, and you can go to the other grouping, say that's a linebacker heavy one if needed in certain situations, if it uh, play dick takes it or if say your best 11 aren't performing that well but that might be the one that actually has the best 11 playmakers and that's the goal i think the best 11 are with 3d linemen because i i do like taquan graham and i do like malcolm roach and i do like keandre Cole. i thought three two six well. that dime yeah you know what i mean I, I like some of the d linemen i i like sweat out there he looked good i mean sweat played a lot sweat played a lot. a lot unless yeah. you were looking at jersey numbers right i thought that defensive line did such a good job controlling the line of scrimmage Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you were really looking, you didn't even you couldn't even tell guys were subbing in and out. Uh, it's like what Jones is out there. I agree with that. Yeah, good point. No, because Ojemo played early. Savandre <laughs> Sweat got in on like Tavondre the third Sweat series of the game. Yeah, uh, Jamar Chisholm in the first half. They used nine different defensive linemen in the first. I think eight in the first half. Yeah, uh, Carson played in the second half. Picked up where they left off. Uh, yeah. And we talked game. about that all offseason. Uh, you know, I yeah. talked to Todd Orlando about that in Houston at the, in Houston at the coaching convention and. He said basically, yeah, ideally they would like to be nine deep. They can be nine deep, even if eight and nine are only getting, you know, yeah, five. That was eight five, snaps, six a game snaps a game or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. That, yeah. yeah, no, no, I agree with you. But yeah. that's just, that's a deep D line. So piggybacking on getting the best 11 on the field, Josh Thompson is one of those guys in that Cowboy package. Yeah, you, man. And, and Rod, I don't want to spend too much time beating up Kobe Boys because I know he's taking no, the, no, no. the wrath of the fan We're base not doing this that. week. I saw I called the other corner because it's like three of those guys. They're <laughs> but, moshed into one. Which, to my point, Deshaun Jameson, I don't know if he played enough for me to get a feel for where he's at right now. And it's not like Anthony Cook set the world on fire when he, when he got, got in, in late in the yeah. game. 
But let's assume this game, the LSU game, clearly is going to be a test because that corner, whoever it is, whether it's Boyce, Jameson, or Cook, they will they're going to get tested. Yeah, they will be attacked. Do you get to a point, Rod, if you're Todd Orlando, where if you're just not getting, let's just assume, because that position cleared is far from settled. Let's assume you get through the LSU game and maybe through the Rice game and that thing is still not settled. Knowing you've got B.J. Foster at nickel and you've got a little bit of versatility with what Chris Brown and Marvin Overson can do, do you just move Josh Thompson to corner and say, you know what, even though people talk about his stiff hips and things like that, but you know what, if if your goal is to get the best 11 on the field, maybe you just roll the dice and put Josh Thompson at corner and say, you know what, even if he's going to get beat, but we trust him more often than not to do the right thing. Um, Well, I said on my show yesterday, and I don't even know if it's necessarily Josh Thompson, I just think you find which safety you can live without playing safety because you have an embarrassment of riches there and say, okay, I'm going to consider you to play corner. And I don't know who that could be. I mean, Josh Thompson, he may not be an ideal fit for corner. Honestly, he does have stiff hips. Like, I don't know. Like, he has a big body and a big frame. Right. Like, I don't know if he can keep up with a Tyland Wallace in the in, in CD Lamb. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, don't want to, I don't know if I want to see Josh Thompson up against those guys. Should be tough. I don't know if he can keep up with them running a post corner. Very few guys can <laughs> yeah, in the, exactly, in college. But at least you, with the, Deshaun Jameson, you got that burst and that, you know what I mean? You got that quick twitch just, with Anthony returner. Cook. He's a technician at corner, other guys. So I understand why they would keep guys there, but I I totally agree with you. You have an embarrassment of riches at safety. Listen, find out if one of those safeties can play corner. I know it sounds crazy, but, man, and trust me, LSU is going to attack the other corner. Joe Brady's coming after that guy. I don't know who he's going to be, but they're not going to be attacking Jalen Green. Jalen Green's going to have a quiet day against LSU. I'm telling you. And they'll be a quiet hunting day. the other yeah, side. Yeah, they're going to be coming after that other side, man, whoever that guy is. So yeah. that's the, I think that's the problem. It's you know I mean? crazy. And you won't it? fix it. For LSU. Right. It ain't getting fixed that we're talking about a problem that may persist, that may be systemic for the entire season. Because that you, you got, may have to get outside the box to fix. You probably need to figure out what direction you want to go in at that spot if after you this play game. a lot of zone, play a lot of man. And then try whatever, to yeah. try to figure out, okay, from a personnel standpoint, put it on the field, see what it looks like against Rice. Because the following week Play Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State, baby. I don't know if anybody watched any of that Oklahoma State Oregon what? State game. Spencer Sanders was the highest graded quarterback in the country by Pro Football Focus. Yeah, He's a beast. And that was. <laughs> and they didn't even know who you're going to play. That to, like, that to me was the X factor. And I knew Oof. I knew the kind of quarterback he was at Denton Ryan. And I'm like, look, if if Gundy gets it figured out with him. Look the hell out, because you know Gundy can coach some offense, and he's going to yeah. put a competent product. We know Tyler Wallace last year <laughs> lit us up. As a matter of fact, he lit up some guys who will be out there on the field mm-hmm. versus Oklahoma. And then in that first quarter, <laughs> yeah, when there oh. was no Cook. Cody and worse. Anthony Cook know how good Tyler Wallace is. Uh, here is Joe Brady in the offseason uh, talking about matchups. He said, once we find the guy who can't cover, that's who we're going after on every play. Well, they're going to watch that La Tech film and figure out who that is real quick. So, there you go. Well, and it's going to be different guys who are going to get it. So, there you go. Everything's going to be right now. They, they are right now going, okay, hey, who, hey, guy, he can't cover? Okay. Or whoever it is, they can't cover? They don't know who the other corner is? The game plan will be mostly built around that other corner. Boundary so receiver, right sorry. You might get you might get a quick throw here and there. You might get a quick little RPO. If you're on the boundary, you're SOL for the Yeah, but call. the field, oh, we're going to have some fun with that field. And this oh, is when yeah. Todd Orlando is going to tell, tell Jalen Green, you're on an island all game long, and that we're going to have to allocate everything else to That'll the That would be the best thing to tell You're in zero coverage, man. You're devote, in zero coverage. Until they figure it out you're in zero coverage and start attacking you, we'll mm-hmm. adjust it. But until then, you're in zero. We're rolling safety coverage to the field. Yep, and then get pressure there. where you need them, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
going back real quick to the safety point you made, Rod, as crazy as this sounds, the guy that might best be fit to play corner out of those safeties might be Caden Stearns. I think you're right. And considering mm-hmm. considering the way you're right. considering how good Chris Brown was on Saturday yeah. and how much they value him. Yeah. I can't believe I'm saying this. That's a move I think you can afford to make. You got BJ Foster who can also play there to safety. You got mm-hmm. Chris Brown. Now you got Josh Thompson playing there too. Overshone's gonna step up. Because so I agree with you, safety. Thompson's a better Thompson's a better fit at safety. He's a better fit at safety. But if you're if you're gonna look at moving one of those guys. Hey now. Hey now. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. It's the adjustment you're going to have to make. Just think about it. Just think about it because have it on the back burner because you might have to go that route if LSU exposes you and Gundy sitting back watching going, <laughs> he's doing, you know, he's got that diabolical laugh for him because, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna make these guys, these, these you know, I'm going to make these guys look bad. And I, I'm with you. I think you should consider it. And it's especially if they you start. you got six safeties now, yeah. legitimate safeties, six of them. That you think are you ever heard of that, safeties. Rod? Six? Six. Have you yes. ever heard of that uh, defense yeah. having six DJ Foster, starting Brandon Jones, Caden Stearns, Chris Brown, you got Josh Thompson and Marvin Overson. And Marvin Overson. Overson. You want to play running back. Safeties. Yeah, you can throw what? out there. That's Stearns. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. put B.J. Foster at running back. <laughs> put Stearns at corner because you got so many safeties. Get all of our best it. 11 on the Boom. field. Hey, man, it might be the way to, to get them on the field. Just, and, like, literally, if that other side isn't working out and you sad. aren't getting coverage, put Stearns over there, even if it is at playing, in, say, the nickel corner. Dude, you would make him so much money in the league. It'd be Earl Thomas. You would make him so much money. He was a first team. Because I think he'd actually be all Big 12, not as, not first team, maybe honorable mention, but I think he's that good of a defensive back, and he's got that long, rangy mm-hmm. body. I do. I think I, you all, can make him a lot of money. All he, he needs is one game. All he needs is one game. Like when Kenny Vaccaro got drafted, they didn't talk about anything else except that West Tavon Virginia Austin. game when he ran with Tavon Austin in the whole damn time. Yeah, and yep. Stearns has that Jalen Ramsey body type where he's it's got so a long, rangy that, body, yep. and he's and smooth. He's, quick. Yep, exactly. he's smooth. Like you know, you, you ever notice him being herky jerky? You ever seen a herky jerky move? No. From Kane's there's like a panic, like, <clears throat> you know what I mean, trying to get out of a cut. No. Every cut is smooth. He could cover a slot receiver right now. Like, yeah, like Both directions. You know what I mean? He, I, know I, when, don't know. I know when, I think, L, I know when LSU recruited him, when he was committed to LSU, that they talked about maybe letting him play some corner. Just saying. Yeah, if you, it's – you should consider worst-case scenario, and I've always mm-hmm. said on this show, and you should have you should have been thinking about that for running back. Like I said last mm-hmm. week, I will not pat myself on the back, but Blackstreet, I'm a saw it, all right? Mm-hmm. And I've been yelling about it from the rafters. Everybody's like, Robbie, you think you're overreacting? Hell no, I'm not overreacting, okay? I was reacting. I was reacting appropriately, like Tom Herman should have been, but I digress. My point being, you need to be thinking about contingency plans for that corner now because I'm telling you, LSU's coming after that yes. guy. So Early Matt, and often. Matt talked about getting the you know, best level on the field and talked about kind of the options you have at safety, and that's where I want to go. And if you made a comparison, Rod, Craig Niver is basically eating it like a fine Brazilian steakhouse. He's yeah. flipping that card over to green, and he's like, give me some of that, some of that, give some of that. that. Boom. Yep. Stan Drayton right now is eating off the dollar menu at McDonald's because he don't have very <laughs> many options. He does. He's got no <laughs> options. You got through this game. I thought it was the perfect – and, Rod, I can't believe there were people texting and calling your show on Monday – Wondering why Keontae Ingram didn't get more run. Yeah. My thought on that was, <laughs> That's just people look, who, yeah. he he averaged seven yards of carry. Yeah. These he had are 14 humans. touches. He had a set a career high in all purpose yards. Yeah, and he got the hell out of there. Yep, that's a that was the per. If you if you asked me ahead of time, describe the perfect opener for Keontae Ingram. Exactly what happened. Yes. That would that would be it. Okay. You know, at, at this point, and I think they were being responsible and wise because they didn't want to overexpose him. They know how fragile their running back position is now. They yep. know how fragile now Sam is. Sam even said it. No design runs for me. 
Mm. All those runs were me checking. That was scrambles. They didn't want. They didn't do design yep. runs for Sam. And yeah, Keontae Ingram only fourteen touches. But like I said, you cannot. You can no longer afford to have any touches for Keontae Ingram that aren't uh, extremely valuable. They have to be important, relevant touches. High leverage. Anything that's you know the the late game irrelevant touches when you're up big. He doesn't. He needs to come off the field. I like the way you... for him is going to hurt his stats because mm. he's not going to be able to close again. He might not have a ton of hundred yard games. You might only have like one or two. Yeah. When are you gonna? You're not gonna. You shouldn't need him to close against Kansas. Yeah, no. You shouldn't it's need like him to baseball, close against Louisiana Tech. High leverage yeah, in baseball. Bring a in another closer. He's a high yeah. leverage guy. If the game's close and good, that's him. He's out of the there, high man. leverage guy. Yeah. If not, you need a middle reliever. That's throw, exactly right. Casey Thompson coming. and Roshan Johnson did a pretty good job of closing out that Louisiana. Uh, Tech man, game. I gotta tell you, Roshan Johnson. I, you know, made you, me feel a little better about. I, what yeah, he's a natural runner. He is a natural running back, man. That is not a. That's not a transition to him for all that. At all, I mean, that looks like that's his natural position. And he hasn't played it looks since like he was nine. Quarterback is going to be the position yeah. that he has to learn and adapt to. Running back, oh, dude, he looks well, like he is right at home. I there. thought Tom Herman made a really good point that you know uh, he said it earlier in the week, but it really hit me when he said it. You know, being in in the offense since the spring, like Roshan, he knows protections, yeah. he knows route the route tree, he basically knows everything you would need to know at that position. Converted QB, so, high IQ, picks and, it up quick. And yep. we talk about this all the time. Sure. And I heard, I've heard i heard Bucky Godbolt talk about Roshan Johnson. I value Bucky's opinion on running back because he recruited maybe the, the best to ever do it on the 40 acres but and recruited some other good ones. He had, he had Priest Holmes and Sean Mitchell and Wayne McGarrity. Yeah. Yeah, Bucky, Bucky, Bucky had a pretty damn talented running back room. And, and Bucky even talked about how that transition for Roshan Johnson, he looks natural. It, yeah. it looks like it works. And, you know, long-term is his future at quarterback? Hellrod, I don't know because – You got some studs coming in. You got you, you got – not only do you have some studs coming in, but like you said, I, I just think he's so natural. And that's a position where usually you can tell really early if a guy's got it or not. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we can all sit here and say, yeah, he doesn't definitely doesn't look out of place and actually okay. look really good. That usually lends itself to a guy being successful at that position. No, I agree. Um, and I I never opposed the move. Actually, I thought it was a good move. I just think you need to, you know, you, you actually need to put, to, to put on some type of, you know, contingency plan or at least put it in place just in case something happens because he's a true freshman. Right. True freshmen just hit walls, man. They do. They just do. They all do. No matter how great they are, they just do. There's a lot of physicality. Look at look at look at Jordan Whittington. Yes. Look at look, look at Caden Stearns. Look at Ingram last look year. Look at Sam Ellinger. Look at Ingram last year. It's gonna happen. He's gonna even even with a little mop up duty, he's gonna hit a wall. Somebody's gonna hit him harder than he ever got hit. He's Football go, is violent. Like, it, it is, man. So I don't understand the reluctance to move Jake Smith there to running back too. I don't. They moved the linebacker there instead. I'm well, like, we'll Good we'll Lord. talk about we'll get into the Jordan Whittington situation here in a minute. But uh, my take on the Jake Smith situation is this, Rod, and I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I think there's going to be a package for Jake Smith at running back because I don't think they let him work pretty much an entire scrimmage at running back just for S's and grins. I agree. No, yeah. I'm with you. But and then he's now you might receiver. need to expedite that. Yeah. Now because now you have to divide up the carries differently because the point is you're going to get sucked into the trap of running Sam Moore. LSU, he's going to run. We all know that. We knew that before. But that's what happens in the biggest games, right? The biggest games of the year last year, Mm -hmm. Georgia, Oklahoma. Georgia had 21 Between the first OU Uh, game and the Georgia game, had 40 carries. Yeah, Yeah. he had 15 in the first Oklahoma matchup, 17 versus USC. In the biggest games, he's going to run the ball. We understand that. But now you're getting sucked into the trap of having to run him versus – 
you know, honestly, eight rushes might have been too much versus Louisiana Tech. You know, this is, it's the whole point. I mean, right. honestly, Tom Herman, they didn't have any design runs at all. So yeah. no design runs for one of the best running quarterbacks Which in the country. Which equals eight that rushes. Means, yeah, that means, like, they didn't want him to run. They're like, nah, we don't really want you to run this game. But he still just got eight. It's off his natural, you know, instinct as a player. That's so 100 a season. Get, my point is, he's going to give you, he's going to run like eight times anyway. But then versus LSU, you're going to need him to run 12 to 15 times. Designed runs and those kind of built into the game plan. That's going to be 20, 25 rushes versus LSU. And we know they can pound you, and that's great. He won't get hurt versus LSU. He won't. He'll be fine. But then later on in the season, those add up. That's right. why I guess a Baylor, you're like, damn, you got hit versus Baylor. Yeah, because it was the accumulation of the hits over time. He was the seventh most hit quarterback in college football last year. Yep. So you cannot allow that to happen. My point is you divide that up between Jake Smith getting five rushes and Keontae Ingram getting 12 rushes. And then let's have some. Rashawn Johnson gets his five to eight rushes. And then that's how you divide the running Maybe game. Maybe Duvernay gets a, two or three. Yeah, and he becomes a and weapon for you, a complementary weapon, not the focus of your running game. That's what you got to avoid. So yep. one, one way to supplement your run game is what I thought was a really good call by this Texas offensive staff in the opener, which Rod – we know that the Mike Leach version of the air raid, it's antiquated, but it still works. And Mike Leach scoffs in the face of people who tell him tells him he needs to run the ball. He's had games where he's had zero rushing yards and won the damn game. Last year he had, yeah, and what zero the, rushing yards. What that original version of the air raid taught us all is Mike Leach considers swing routes to running backs, bubble screens, basically considers those long handoffs. Those are extensions of the run game. I thought this staff did a really good job knowing they have – and of the 12 games on your schedule, 11 of them you're going to have the physicality edge on the perimeter. This next game is the one where you're probably not. But getting the ball out to Devin Duvernay on bubble screens, getting it to him and letting him, you know, just like those long handoffs. I thought you – know, you look at Duvernay's numbers, 9 for 55 – but, again, I just thought you're taking pressure off Keontae Ingram by getting Duvernay the ball. And let's just talk about Devin Duvernay for a second. And mm-hmm. I know they tried him in the slot year one, and mm-hmm. it didn't work because is he Percy Harvin? Is he DeMarcus Ayers? No. But what does Devin Duvernay do really well? And this is something we credited the staff for last year with Lil Jordan Humphrey. Stop worrying about what he's not and, and focus on what he can do for you. Yeah. What Devin Duvernay is really good at, sticking a foot in the ground and getting up the field. Mm-hmm. And he's a 500-pound squat guy. He's so compact. He can run through arm tackles. So, yeah, him one-on-one with a corner where he can just run through a guy, hell, yeah, that's a matchup you'll take all day, every day. Rod, I just thought the way they supplemented the run game with the extension of it by using perimeter passes, especially considering how physical they are on the edges, I thought that was a great game plan. Uh, I don't think it's just part of the game plan. I think that's the actual offense. I agree. I think because you go back to the Georgia game last year, last year, the last game, uh, in 2019 of last season, uh, Sam Ellinger had 27 pass attempts. Uh, I I think he I think I counted out of those 27, 16 of the 27 pass attempts in that game versus Georgia were within five yards of the line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage. I and charted in it this, for this game. He's right for this game. I, well, uh, let me know if, if my numbers are up. I, I counted 21. Oh, How many and, did you get? Uh, I, overall, were, I went with air yards where you actually throw just the air yards. Well, I, I didn't with, with, with Out of the, the first okay. 14 pass attempts, you had – only one go more than five yards down the field. I, yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. That's no, about, yeah. 13 of yeah. the 14. So on the first drive, 
you had not one pass even got to the line of that scrimmage. Line scrimmage. They were you all had behind. negative yeah. 15 air yeah. yards for all six passes, and you march right downfield and score. And air yards are a good metric to understand the idea of explosivity, and you like to have quarterbacks that go for air yards. Mm-hmm. But this shows you almost the featured nature because the first drive, you had five receptions by DuVernay yep. and the negative 15 air yards. Then you had the, you try to go deep down the field to Johnson on one pass, one 38 yeah. air yards, did the exact same thing with Whit- Whittington and with Epps on that drive. Then it was like, okay, we need to get the a Jake Smith drive. And it was the Jake Smith drive where he's yeah, the guy getting he's targeted. Feature. And it wasn't until the one that was, and I heard y'all talking, this was the one that was behind him, the first yeah. one that was tipped behind. behind. And then later on in the game, you had the one that was tipped by the two people downfield. But just looking overall at the total air yards, you could tell right out at halftime, opened up the offense big time because you ended up with 276 air yards and you ended up on that last drive or the first drive of the second half having a 29-yard ball downfield to Duvernay, 27-yard downfield to Smith, which is the deflected one that you were talking about, Jeff, and then the 31-yard downfield to Eagles. So you could see the uh, ability to do both, and you could almost see like as if, okay, we need to come out at the beginning, and we're going to get somebody involved. It's like, oh, well, we don't need to run the ball. Just throw it out to Duvernay because they're giving us, and he's getting a first down on every single try. It's It's just just smarter football because especially if you don't if you don't really have a power advantage in the backfield, mm-hmm. which Texas really doesn't with his running back. Think about Trey Watson and Keontae Ingram. They're, they were slight running backs at the time, and even now they're, they're younger running backs too. You get them on the perimeter, that's more one-on-ones, yep. quicker one-on-ones in the open field. I don't have to get the wear and tear of running a guy right between the tackles mm-hmm. every damn time to get three yards. They're getting like three, four, five yards a pop with these little, yeah. you know what I mean, so uh, quick hitters to swing screens. But, I mean, think about and think about how easier that is yep. than trying to run it up in between the tackles every time on a already depleted running back core. Your well, I think that's a big part of it, too. You're that one-on-one, yeah. so you're getting the built-in one-on-one you get the while taking one-on-one. out all of the— It's a numbers the, game. All, instead of the number—instead of we're going to jam it in here with the numbers advantage here, let's go with the numbers advantage on the outside where, okay, we can just add plus one to the outside. Yes, you know I mean? and we're where already we have, out there where we want to yeah. be in space. We yeah. don't have to have five guys beat five guys because yeah. there's a lot of margin of yeah. error inside there. Get, a lot yeah. of volatility, and to have them all execute well together is tough, and you're risking injury at your most depleted area. So instead, we're going to go and already have somebody on the outside that's in a one-on-one. We can almost engineer the type of matchups we want, then only hope that, say, one block wins instead of five blocks win, and then you're already in the space, and it's ability to explode is so much easier because it's getting to the guys in the space to explode. You also have the RPO, which is now a big part of the offense, mm-hmm. and uh, some of those are RPO reads, uh, the, the quick hitters. You know yep. what I mean? Yeah. It's just an extension of the, the the running game through the run-pass option. So I would say basically there are four elements of the offense you saw versus Louisiana Tech. We're, by the way, got, we're, like Charlie Strong had his five core values. We're going to have four pillars of the offense. There we, are four we, pillars. We, we, yeah, want, we the, want these repeated. Yeah, there's, there's the deep ball, of course, because you got, you got lots of speed and you got size on the outside, and Sam is really good at throwing a deep ball. Best passer rating on a deep ball in the Big 12 last year, second in the Power 5, fourth among FBS quarterbacks. So you have that. You also have the power running game. That's bam, bam, Sam. But that's short yardage, red zone. You don't want to overemphasize that. Keontae Ingram's actually the key to the power running game now, not Sam. Because if you don't have Keontae Ingram, then Sam, Sam's overexposed. Then you have the RPO game. That's about 20% of the offense right now. I think that's going to expand. That's Larry Fedora's influence as an analyst. And then I think the extension of the running game, the high percentage passing game, 
that is the other element. So people were mad about the 30 rushes. Don't because the 10 behind the line of scrimmage passes, there's basically mm-hmm. 10 runs. That's your 40 rushes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And props to one Sam Cosme for his job on some of those screens. He had it's unbelievable. He had one where he just made an outstanding block going into the north end zone. And then in the second half, man, he just got latched onto a corner and drove that poor guy about 10 yards out of bounds. He's got highlights as an offensive lineman, which is hard, hard to, to do. do. Hard to do. And that, that guy's got him, man. He is legit. When he faces up against uh, Caleb on Chason of LSU, that's going to be a hell of a matchup. That it is. Yeah. Uh, anything else, guys, real quick from the opener offensively you want to touch? Mm, nope. Offensive line, though, I think Tom Harmon was very complimentary and said uh, they graded out really well and pro football focus had the Texas offensive line as one of his top 10 highest-graded offensive lines overall um, in the country. Sam Cosme was actually their offensive tackle on their weekly pro football-focused national team. So good sign early on for the Texas offensive line. And this is the first time we've seen a line like that in space in that screen game like you were talking about where you get to see the almost featured. It reminds me of seeing like a guy like, what was it, Whitlock or Whitford, whoever the huge, massive guy is for the Rams that's just – Always the lead blocker. Andrew, oh, Andrew Whitworth. Whitworth. Is it Whit- yeah, Whitworth. Whitworth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He just yeah. mowing over a safety yeah. that's 100 pounds less than him. And Cosme's basically in that role as a lead blocker on those screens, mm-hmm. going to annihilate a DB. Uh, one thing, I know my, my Jake Smith for the running back bandwagon, but I will say I understand Tom Herman's obsession with Jake Smith because it's the H we are seeing more and more based on Lil' Jordan Humphrey last year. Devin DuVernay's performance early on that game, and of course, Jake Smith, that the H receiver is so pivotal to the offense. Maybe he figures I can't risk losing my one of my H's yep. to yeah. supplement the running back. Agreed, even though best we all know right now it is a panic in the running back room because you just don't have the body. In this I think offense, you hit the n- yeah. nail there, though. That's the best 11 maybe with Jake in that role. In yeah, this, but still. In this, still, in this, still offense, the in this offense, the X and the H are going to gobble up a lot of catches. Like if you're the yeah. Z, like Brennan Eagles, that's probably the type of game you're going to get from the Z receiver ideally. I'll in this take offense, that all day every day and twice on Sunday. If they're throwing it to you, Nine times out of ten, it's going to be a deep shot. And there's going to be a play-action pass on. I would say both of Brandon Eagles' touchdowns were traditional old-school play-action passes. I love the second touchdown, though, Rob, the way they set that up, which the the play right before you know, it was a two-man round. It's kind of like a little scissors concept where Eagles runs the post, Duvernay runs a little corner out, and they hit Duvernay on the corner. The next one, Duvernay's the number two receiver, still same alignment. He runs the post. post. Safety goes with nine the post, route. and Eagles is wide he open. He runs the nine route. Yeah. yeah, I think he was running the cover, too. I didn't understand why A. McRobinson didn't carry. When number two goes deep, you carry number one to help your safety out. He never did that. No, he sure didn't. I don't know what the hell. But you're covering nobody. There's nobody to cover. <laughs> yeah, you're, exactly. you're in. Middle, no middle. man's land. Yeah, I don't get it. I got to go back and look. I don't think they had a, a no, flat route No, I don't think they had a flat route there. When number two goes, you go with number one. I mean, Brain that's how fart. cover two was taught to me, but I don't know. Maybe it, maybe nobody, they don't teach cover two the same. I don't know. Or he screwed up. Or oh, he's, <laughs> but he's a good player, so I don't know. Really damn teaching. good player. He's a damn good player. He looked like he belonged. Like He was like, hey, you can come over here. Can you be our other corner, Amy Robertson? Mm-hmm. <laughs> For real. Can uh, you, can yeah. you, can you play player. running back by any chance? Yeah, seriously, we'll take you at running back. You're a damn good player, son. But, okay, so as we get ready to talk the LSU game, uh, running back, I was his top of mind, Jordan Whittington with the sports hernia issue. Oh, he's got to get that repaired. It's brutal. 
Right, this is a guy that I said could have the potential for a 40-catch season, was going to be a huge part of the offense. Yeah. Now you're probably looking at hopefully, hopefully getting him back for the Oklahoma game. And I'm going to say I wouldn't rush him. Not he's a, he's a baby and coming back off that, that, obviously a recurring injury, I wouldn't even yeah, rush him. And I'd make especially sure. Especially in that game? In that yeah. game, like, nah, man, you got to wait to you 100%. Sorry, brother. You know, Unless it's dire straits, hopefully we're not there. Okay. I think you're, so you're four clo- to six. That'd be pushing it. That'd be he'd be, have pushing to be a super. Now we've seen an He's amazing, yeah, that, and we've seen people mm, these days under modern medicine come back soon, but you still can't expect those things. Yeah, there's a chance. I think there's a chance Kirk Johnson and Daniel Young exactly. are back by the the Oklahoma. State I'm gonna push game. anybody. I'd push those guys because yeah. they've had more time. I, I think the Oklahoma State game. I think is when you could look at maybe getting those guys back. I I, I feel safe in saying this uh, unless there's some kind of setback or the injuries are more mm-hmm. severe than. I've been led to believe. I think by the time you get to the first Big Twelve road game that that I that uh, West Virginia game on October fifth, I think you'll have both those guys back by then. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, but you've got to make it through LSU, Rice, and maybe Oklahoma State with essentially one scholarship tailback. Bare bones. Yeah, not good. But Rod, so let's start on the offense against the LSU defense. And if you try to watch the LSU defense against Georgia Southern. There's not much you can take from it because Georgia Southern's running the triple option. Other than the fact that, surprise, surprise, this LSU defense is really freaking fast and really freaking physical at every level. Yeah. it's uh, it, Tom Herman said it may be the best defense they face in terms of personnel. They got I don't think there's any question. NFL players at every level. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, and hell, I got to go back to see what's the last time Texas played a defense as good as this LSU defense. I mean, Georgia's okay, but they're depleted. They didn't Georgia have their was best players. DeAndre Baker Maybe that out. Notre Dame defense in 2015 with Jalen Smith. Oh, yeah, that's true. That was a really good defense, actually. That's Bob Diaco, too, wasn't it? No, Diaco was gone. He was gone by then? Okay. Just um, a bad Texas offense. Yeah, no, that might that was a pretty good one. I don't know. Yeah, that, I mean, TC, might, that TCU defense in twenty fourteen. TCU was really defense salty. was a. I think that was a top ten defense, if I'm not mistaken. That yeah. was a pretty good one. Yeah, you might have to go back that far. Yeah, or maybe even back to held Nebraska. Yeah, two thousand ten nine. Two thousand ten was still a good one. Yep. Two thousand nine. Garrett Gilbert did beat that ten one. He did beat that ten. One. Yeah. Let's not talk about this <laughs> for a really <laughs> long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at any rate, Rod, like we said, this is a game where you knew going into it you were going to have to unleash Sam Ellinger in the run game. But while you were thinking maybe, eh, that's probably 15 to 18 carries, I'm with you. Considering your running back situation, that's probably 20 to 20. Uh, He had 21 versus Georgia. I'm thinking 25 versus LSU. And I don't mind it. I, I I, I expect that. Now, here's the thing. We saw the Larry Fedora influence, in my opinion, versus Louisiana Tech. I think you maybe you're going to see some of that Andre Coleman influence versus yeah. LSU. A lot of design runs that protect your quarterback, a lot of innovative runs. Nobody did that better than K-State in the Big 12 in the hell, I don't know, last decade. They always had a quarterback that was either leading their team in rushing or second on their team in rushing. I can go down the list of you, but they had a ton of mm-hmm. those guys. So I maybe you'll get some of that here, more design runs. They had no design runs called versus Louisiana Tech. I think that was intentional. That was them being vanilla. They'll unleash Bam Bam Sam versus LSU, and you'll see some design runs, very creative design runs. Rod, I'm fascinated You might by see that, 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 that uh, what they call it, the pass run option now with yeah. the late, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. kind of a built-in draw for Sam late in a play. Yeah. You might see, you're going to see that versus I, LSU. I am fascinated by the matchup with the Texas offensive line and the LSU defensive line because the one thing the LSU defensive line is going to bring, they're going to bring a lot of mass at Texas. and Girth. I, I know Barton Simmons will talk about that here in, in just a little bit, but – 
when you look at that Texas offensive line, Rod, this is a game where I think the through those five guys, if Texas wins, those five guys will collectively have had to play a really good game. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I, honestly, I just think the matchup is going to be more Sam. Because I, I agree with you. I think that LSU defensive front may be able to stifle our traditional running game. That's traditional. It, traditional. That's their advantage. Exactly, traditional. But we always talk about they got the extension of the running game. They mm-hmm. use high percentage passes. They also have the run pass option now. That's an extension now of the running game too. And, and they have Bam Bam Sam designed run. So I think you may get more non-traditional runs from Texas in that game. Yeah. Even when, and Bam person, Bam Sam may be best on broken plays after the play. So there's totally that agree. additional aspect. Yeah, him, him as a scrambler. So I, I really do. I, I think After that, LSU wins a play on defense. Yeah, so I don't know if Texas, I think we'll be adequate up front. Um, we won't get dominated, but you know, I mean, LSU, man, that's. <laughs> I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to put into my prediction that Texas is going to win that battle. The battle I think that Texas is going to have to try to win some of is versus their secondary. I just wonder how they're going to attack that very talented secondary. Like that's what I wonder too, because that's 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 where LSU is going to win. They put those those DBs come down into the box, man. They play what they call a quarters package. They call it the big dime, where they play three big old safeties, man, and they bring them down in the box, just like Todd Orlando's doing with our versatile DBs. Yeah, Jacoby Stevens is a guy that looks like a linebacker, but he's yeah. a safety. And they got Todd Harris and Grant Delpit, so. They're gonna stop. I think they're gonna be effective against the run just because they're gonna bring so many people down to stop it. Uh, you're gonna have to get. You're gonna have to stretch that defense. You're gonna have to make them respect you in the passing game because they play man to man more than anybody in the SEC. They've done the last three years. Nobody plays more man to man arguably in the country. Why wouldn't than you? LA. exactly when you got the right, corners? They have. So they're cocky in that respect. They did the same thing against Louisiana Tech, which is why Adrian Hardy got ten receptions, 181 yards, two touchdowns. They're they're arrogant about their man coverage. They know they can cover as well as anybody in the country. You gotta test it. You got. You're gonna have to, because otherwise they're gonna make you one dimensional. You can't afford that. The kind of game Colin Johnson had two years ago against SC. That's the kind of game he's gonna need to have on it's, Saturday. Because you're gonna have a couple of situations where they're gonna leave him man to man. No, LSU is one of the mm-hmm. few teams that like we, no, we will play man to man on Colin Johnson. We don't give a damn, and they're doing. You got to make them pay. You want to make them pay for that. And that, that trust me, Brandon Eagles will definitely get man-to-man. Yes. All right? And Devin DuVernay in the slot. He's going to be matched up against their nickel. That's going to be big. You're going to have to take shots. That deep part of the offensive game plan and identity, that's going to be integral, man. Because that's how you're going to be able to stretch that defense and back those safeties off the line of scrimmage. And if you get that type of man coverage, it's a type of situation where a guy like Colin Johnson has the body tap. Like, he really mm-hmm. understands – basically how to box out like you'd be getting a uh, Mm -hmm. rebound or like say I saw Muhammad Sanu from Atlanta just sort of teaching this but just the ability to always catch the ball with your arms outstretched because you are able to basically box out with your rear side across the board and having that catch radius in that frame in a man-to-man situation with the height and the size that Colin is we saw his footwork on the sideline and then we've talked about all the way back to last year with the strong arm of Sam the ability to play on a plane above the defense and if you can literally inside your catch radius even when well defended still win plays those are the type of things that really can be those margins and the other one is having a quarterback that say if you do have a disadvantage like we're talking on the D-line well if you have something that on every play the D-line
line beats your old line, but you have a quarterback that with his footwork can actually make a Extend winning play, play. Yeah. and then has the ability, even when a guy is covered, to be able to get the ball and you still can have a chance to make plays. And then seeing Epps and Eagles and just their maturation and their ability with their body, Texas does have a freakish advantage when you go and look at it. Now, we're mm. talking about in those type of situations are whenever you're going to be talking about when you're already getting beat and having the chance to win. That doesn't mean you yeah. will win, and it's, those are hard plays to do, but very few college teams even have that luxury. No, no, I'm with you, but it's going to be a tall task. Yes. Yeah, because uh, uh, Georgia Southern, uh, their, their lowest rushing uh, output of the season last year in a 10-3 and season. This is Georgia Southern, I understand. It was 80 yards versus Clemson. So Clemson, best D-line in all the college football last year, To right? your point, though, that's a triple option team, so they— Triple option, that's all they do. Yeah. That's all they do. All right, so they had 80 yards rushing versus Clemson. LSU held them to 74. Hmm. All right, this, this is a 10-3 and three team last year. They won a scrub. They averaged 1.9 yards per carry. They had, I think they had uh, six 300-yard rushing games last year. That's all they do is run the ball. So I know that's Georgia Southern, and yes, Georgia Southern sucks, whatever, but just a gauge how mm-hmm. good the defensive front is for LSU. Yeah, it's think, pretty damn good. I think what you're going to have to do if you're Texas, and I know, mm-hmm. look, they've got you know inside zone, outside zone. They got staples in their run game. I think you've got to take advantage of the athleticism, get guys on the edge, maybe some pin and pull stuff, misdirection. Because my point in that matchup was, Rod, there aren't going to be very many times, if any, where you're just going to be able to hand it to Keontae Ingram and try to stuff it up inside for and, and hope you get four or five yards. The traditional that running ain't gonna game. Happen. Yeah, great. Ain't gonna happen. So I, you know, but but the Georgia, what they doing against Georgia, right? They came out early. That they came up with the swing screens, got to the edges, uh, tried to stretch Georgia out horizontally, and then they get then they that, tried to, that first play of the game they ran against Georgia. It, it's still I love the call because it's almost yeah. like. It was a swing route, but it's almost like it was almost like Beck a long out. handoff because yeah. you got Andrew Beck in front of Trey Watson. It's just hey, and let's exactly. get our lead blocker out here where he's on a safety, not trying to lead block against the defensive end. But exactly, and it was right. It, it was actually it, to, to match point. You were winning the numbers battle on the outside now. For mm-hmm. yeah, Georgia can outman us and they have more girth and size inside, and they can have more men in the box. But what if I take the running game outside to the perimeter really quickly? And now they and all have to go lateral. We have yeah, and then we have a, a three on two advantage or a four on three advantage. And you know, or even three on three. That's cool. I'll take it. I'll take having to beat one of your guys one on one rather wear. than having me inside having to run through the tackles. So I agree. I think you kind of want to start somewhere around there. I, well, your game plan versus Georgia shouldn't be that away, that far away from your game plan versus LSU. I think about 100%. this: D lineman tooth, big body, three hundred pound bodies. <laughs> They don't like having to run 40 yards to the sp- sideline on dead sprints. And if you are doing yep. this as a philosophy over 60 minutes, it's like running in basketball and running a big off a court. Like, if you want to go and stop our run game, okay, well, then we're going to make your entire team sprint 40 yards over here and do it again and do it again. And that's if you're talking about mileage that players are running on the field during a game, that stuff adds up and it wears down those big oh, guys. And the SEC doesn't see that very three often. Three or four yards a pop, man. That's what Texas is getting on those and plays. I, and I think the, the advantage. <laughs> the Texas offense has in that regard is this is an offense that doesn't mind being patient. If you want to make them drive it 12 plays, they'll drive it 12 plays. They don't 18 care. plays? Yep. Of, or we have 18 drives of 10-plus plays, the most in the FBS going back to the beginning of last year. Sam Ellinger converts, uh, I want to say, number seven, 69% of the third and three or less rushes from last year. So you getting a third and three or short, bam, bam, Sam. You know what I mean? Fourth, you talk about fourth down offense last year, second best in the country. So you're just trying to get to third and short and fourth and short. 
continuously versus LSU. I think that's a win for you already. Yeah. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's when you want to test the LSU front. Not early yeah. on. Going back to the LSU front of the Texas offensive line, I think the one matchup I'm most fascinated by is whenever Caleb on Chason gets matched up on Sam Cosme. Because yeah, if you're an NFL scout, it's beautiful. That's one ride you you want to watch every snap. Yeah, that. no, I agree with you on that. Um, and it'll be an ultimate test for Sam Cosme too. I'm looking forward to it. I know he is too. Uh, that's going to be big. And Chason's already talking a little trash and. Saying that Sam Ellinger is more of a runner than a passer. Yeah, I watched. Uh, I was at NRG for that state championship game when North Shore beat Westlake, and those were pro- not probably those were the two best players on the field that day. Was Sam Ellinger and Caleb on Jason. Yeah, well, both have gotten better. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we'll see. We'll see on the big stage, on the biggest stage in college football. Right. So, Rod, the Texas defense against this LSU offense, and I gotta, I want to give you time to. No, you know, I don't need that go, much time. It'll go into um, that's pretty easy. I think straightforward. <laughs> we're talking about how much of the Georgia Southern LSU game we watched. Okay. I've watched like a condensed version of it. Didn't watch the whole thing. Rod, you said I think you got bored at like half time. Second I half. couldn't do it anymore. It was Matt brutal. Matt made it through. I think a quarter, yeah. a quarter plus, first quarter. That's um, all you needed, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. LSU got a lot of short fields in that game, but Rod, we still got a really good idea of what this offense is going to be like. And I think the thing that surprised me most, we knew the RPO element was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of different ways we can go. I'll just kind of give you the floor. I was surprised how much tempo they ran. LSU used a yeah. lot of tempo, and yep. they used it in different situations. There was one instance where they got to a fourth and two, and then boom, immediately went tempo and went to like an inside zone and popped it. And I'm like, oh, that's – I kind of remind you like the Malzahn, Browse way of mm-hmm. thinking. Like, hey, in a situation like that, don't take your time. Just boom, get up, get to the line, and get it called. Yeah, you and, see something, you can exploit. Why waste time? Why, why, why yeah. huddle? Just go get it. it it's yeah. just weird because it, it's weird for me because you've seen LSU's offense. Gosh, they've been in the Stone Age for so long, and now just to see them be able. I mean, twenty first century. We saw them using the slot fade. They're using all kinds of different route concepts we mm-hmm. haven't seen them use before. It's funny. Uh, I thought about this. I was like, literally, for the history of LSU football, they've never had like a pass focus offense and nope. the first time texas choose to play them they have <laughs> modernized their offense and we get lsu with a modern offense so, very true it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's fascinating stuff the history to look of football. At, right? yeah. and right. i know you want to touch on their personnel and, and you know they've got a couple guys you know thaddeus moss being one by the way thaddeus moss the son of randy moss if the number and last oh i didn't know that familiar. oh nice um but it's just the way the way they use their personnel use it in different formations they were running, you know, they were on that slot fade and they ran it with a couple of different guys. Yep. Just, it, it's, the bottom line is, and I know I'm repeating myself, it's just weird for me to see LSU with an offense that looks like it fits in 2019. It's scary, man. It'd be like watching the Cowboys offense be modernized. Like, well, yeah, it really would. Yeah. <laughs> this no. is weird. Yeah, it um, is. But it, no, it's, it's all about Joe Brady and Joe Burrow. Uh, and Tom Herman has been very complimentary. Joe Burrow said, of all the junior quarterbacks he's ever recruited, Tom Herman said Joe Burrow was. The had the highest football IQ out of any uh, junior quarterback he ever could. That's because his dad is coach a coach. Kid. His dad was a, a coach at the college level for a long time, just retired so he can watch his son coach. But Joe Brady, he was uh, basically an offensive analyst for the Saints. So a lot of people assumed, including myself, that he would have more Sean Payton um, in his DNA uh, than Joe Moorhead, who was his other, I think, the kind of influence in his offensive, uh, his offensive career so far. 
But in that first game for LSU, they played mostly 11 personnel, which Tom Herman likes to do too. Joe Moore, Joe Moorhead, I believe, was an 11 personnel guy 90% of the time, much like Sean McVay in the NFL. So you play one back, one tight end, but you you use a lot of different formations, a lot of different per, a lot of different groupings, and you use different guys playing what he calls positionless football. And he said it before, his players, do they no longer learn positions. They only learn routes and concepts. So they have, a, I think, a tight end, a 6'5 tight end, Steven Sullivan. He was mm-hmm. a wide receiver last year, but now they're using him as a tight end. Do they move him around the formation? He'll play third receiver. He'll be on the outside. And they just look for a different matchup advantages with him in the slot. They threw, him, they threw it to him in the slot versus Georgia Southern. I'm sure, Jeff, you saw that. So that's what they're trying to do now, positionless football. And because of that, it gives them the ability to be multiple. And you're going to see them run run pass option. They're going to be up-tempo. They're going to run a lot of 11 personnel. And they're going to run a lot of different formations out of 11 personnel. Empty formations. They're going to run four wide. They're going to run 21 personnel, bringing the big tight end back in the backfield. They're going to do a lot of funky stuff. They didn't saw them do, do quite a bit of tight like tight bunch formations. They like the uh, bunch and what they call the starburst, yeah. where basically like mm-hmm. two or three different guys running different directions, running routes, forcing the defense to either play a zone concept or forcing you to play high-low or inside out on them. You know what I mean? I got the inside cut. You got the outside cut. So they basically are going to, because of that, they're going to keep teams from being able to bump and run and be physical. You can't bump and run. It's hard to bump and run a, a, a bunch formation like that because you get picked off. Yeah, because even we saw – we haven't seen Tom Herman do it that much at Texas, but he did a lot at U of H because now – all of a sudden, once you think you've got to figure it out, then you're changing like the release times of different guys. You like, are. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And number two, oh yeah, he's on a delayed release, and now I'm wrong, and this yeah. guy's running free. So yeah, it's last, the whole timing of the offense. And last year, LSU had a hard time protecting the passer. This year, the way they're going to remedy that is just putting more receivers in routes, so more five receiver routes. So if Texas is going to blitz. They're not going to keep in, like they were old school, they would just keep in more bodies yeah. to protect, right? Uh, we're just going to go max protect and send out two receivers on routes. Like, no, no, no. Let's just send out five receivers on routes. One of them. When they come, them. one of these guys going to be wide open. We'll just depend on Joe Burrow to make the right decision. Yeah, that, and that's, you know, looking at LSU over the summer, that's one thing. And, again, we didn't know what this offense was going to look like. Mm-hmm. That, was one, modernization. that was yeah. one advantage that's I thought Texas thinking. had. You know, and thinking back to the Georgia game, that LSU offensive line just didn't impress me. I'm sorry, LSU fans. It didn't. I've seen, like, I watched Oklahoma's offensive line last year twice. Yeah. I was not impressed with LSU's yeah. offensive that was one, line. That was probably the best in the country. And I felt like, going back and thinking about the Georgia game, Georgia's got a damn good offensive line, too. But Texas was able yeah. to use their athleticism against Georgia. Get them on skates. But like we saw with Louisiana Tech, and people were like, well, why wouldn't the pass rush there? Well, if the goal of the offense is to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands real quick – your front three aren't going to get there. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, yeah. but why wasn't there pass rush with the front three? Because the offense designed it that way. To get it out <laughs> quickly. Yeah, and that's what you're going to see. They're going to get the ball out really, really fast. They're going to be modernized. I'm not as worried about it as some. I Listen, I know LSU now with a, a modern offense, that is freaky. But the fact that Texas goes up against the best quarterbacks mm-hmm. and the best offensive minds year in and year out in the future of offensive football is in the Big 12. I trust Todd Orlando more so versus that type of an offense Todd Orlando than seen I do Lincoln versus the kind of ground and pound in, offense. In, yeah. in the last, like, just over, you know, three calendar years, Todd Orlando's faced Lincoln Riley four times. I know, exactly. He's faced Baker Mayfield, Kyla Murray, Sam Darnold. You know what I mean? Like, yep. I think he'll be okay. I think he'll – I know Joe Burrow's good. I know he's good, but trust me, I think we'll figure it out. Here's the one thing that concerns me, and you've talked about it, Jeff, the cheat code. 
the dual-threat quarterback. Joe Burrow's good. Um, and if Joe Burrow goes off as a dual-threat quarterback, we know there is no defensive game plan no. that is going to be adequate enough. And that's what concerns me. Yeah, if Saban and, and Belichick talk about how tough it is to stop, then, yeah, yeah it's going to be tough. That's for the guy. So I'm worried about him going off because – yeah, I think there's one thing I've seen a Tarlando defense struggle with. It is stopping a dual threat quarterback. And that's the thing that yeah. you really didn't have any reason to show this opening week from LSU was his ability to run. And then last year you saw yeah, his yeah. athleticism, but it was more of a functional mobility because it was a pro-style offense. So we weren't featuring him in ability to be yep. in a QB run game. So it's just sort of the one thing that isn't necessarily scoutable. You know what to expect. You can coach it up. But it's still something that the players maybe – can't see on tape. But I think most of those will be design runs. They're going to run a ton more RPOs. Most of their RPOs were in the red zone versus Georgia Southern. Um, but I think they're going to have more designed runs because I'm with you. The ball is supposed to be out really quickly. Mm-hmm. So how often is he going to be back there in the time to then scramble? Time to yeah, it's usually ball out quickly. So maybe they'll just build, build in some kind of fail safe that, hey, this is a quarterback draw or whatever mm-hmm. it is. You know what I mean? Or with the RPO. Well, that's what those RPOs are yeah. is basically the zone read with the throw option the throw. in your vision. No doubt. You talk about Joe Burrow, Rod, and I think it's worth mentioning you know, these two quarterbacks, and, and Barton Simmons will talk about this again. He's a real deal. Barton here in a little bit. These two quarterbacks are real similar. Yeah, they Just, are. And, and the intangibles is what jumps off the page at you. But if you want to know how similar they are, look at their lines last year against Georgia. Texas and LSU both beat Georgia last year. Yep. Sam Ellinger against Georgia in that Sugar Bowl, 19-27, 169 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Running, 21 carries, 64 yards, and three touchdowns. Joe Burrow against Georgia in a win, 15 for 30 passing, mm-hmm. 200 yards, yep. 13 carries, 66 yards, and two touchdowns. I remember watching that game, yeah. He was the key, too. Yeah, his ability to run was the was the key in the game. Now, Burrow's, numbers, Burrow's rushing numbers for the year – Got inflated because in that seven overtime game against A&M, he was mm-hmm. 29 for 100. But Edwards Run said they wanted to run him more, but their backup quarterback last year was hurt for some reason. They well, didn't think, have a – right? It was something And LSU fans are going to correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Miles Brennan was a backup. Technically, I think the backup last year, but I think they wanted to redshirt him. Okay, so maybe that was I don't know if they it. had another backup quarterback. Yeah, but. it was some situation where they basically they, – they couldn't lose Joe Burrow mm-hmm. or they were he was their only quarterback. Yeah. yeah. I think that was it. I think they wanted to get so. Miles Brennan a redshirt year. I, yeah. I could be wrong with that, but off the top of my head, that sounds yeah. right. But they'll run him a little more now. So uh, let's go ahead and uh, we'll get to uh, we'll get to Barton Simmons and Mike Roach real quick, and then we'll come back and wrap this thing up by making some picks. All right, joining us now to talk about this blockbuster matchup between Texas and LSU. He is the director of scouting at twenty four seven Sports, also covers college football for CBS Sports. Barton Simmons joining us on the show this week. Barton, how's it going, man? Hey, it's great. This uh, this is uh, I'm, I'm going to be in Austin. This weekend, are you really? So I'm, I'm just excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, excited for the week. Excited for a, a matchup like this, and uh, I'm pumped to. I'm pumped to be there. Now, you, you didn't get Trey Scott out of the home office for this one, did you? <laughs> you know, Trey Scott is going to be the, the the famous Texas fan is going to be in Clemson, South Carolina, with a girl with, for the Clemson A and M game. So I don't know if that sort of revokes his fandom or what, but uh, but no, I'm going to be solo. Yeah, well, the good good thing you didn't you didn't bring Trey with you. We'll uh, we'll save table that conversation for another day. Barton, when when you just look at these two rosters, uh, you know, obviously in recruiting, you, you know these two programs really well. In, in terms of top end talent, are are we talking two top 
seven, eight caliber rosters to top ten caliber rosters. How would you just grade the talent level as it stands on the field? Well, I I, I have been when I sort of talk about the national championship, uh, kind of who has enough talent to win the national championship to beat Alabama, to beat Clemson. I think there's about I, I've identified. I think there's about six teams that can do it. Um, and I think LSU is one of those six teams. Uh, I think the way they've sort of stacked talent class over class for, uh, for a while now is, is apparent in their depth uh, and their speed. Um, and, and they've got a quarterback as well now. So I right. think that, the, that LSU is, is, is right there. Um, and I think Texas is, is, trending towards that that tier that threshold i think they're the next tier below right now i think they're i think texas is probably a top 10 top 12 type of team from a talent perspective um but i think when you look at the roster the way it's sort of built out some of their most talented players are the kind of freshmen sophomores the guys that they've been recruiting the last couple classes so Mm -hmm. another class the way they've been They've been recruiting. Uh, I, I think will be enough to to sort of tick them up a tier and, and and have them with the kind of roster that can contend as well for a national title. Barton, let's talk about the quarterback matchup. When you look at Sam Ellinger, you look at Joe Burrow. It's almost like you're you're kind of looking at the same guy. Both guys uh, similar skill sets. The intangibles are, are very similar. What do you what stands out to you when you watch both these guys on tape? Uh, yeah, I think the intangibles to me, uh, as much as anything. So I was talking to, um, you know, just or during the spring, Jacob Phillips is a linebacker for LSU who's from Nashville, where I live, and uh, he was in town and was just hanging out at a camp. And I was sort of just talking about how spring ball went, and I was like, you know, hey, it seems like y'all got a quarterback now. And he kind of just gave me a little side grin and looked at me and said, that dude's a stone cold killer. Or, or that dude's, you know, was, that dude's an assassin, or something like that. And it was just sort of this. I think there's a, a lot of confidence that that guy injects into the team, just based on his sort of grittiness, his uh, confidence, um, and I think it, 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 it elevates it elevates everyone in a way that I, I don't know that. LSU's had a bunch of quarterbacks that get wide eyed in those big right. moments, and and that's not Joe Burrow. Um, and and I think you can say the same thing about Sam Ellinger. I mean, I, I remember that USC game two years ago, uh, and that was the game I said, you know, after that game I said Sam Ellinger is going to be an iconic quarterback of Texas. And the reason that I felt that way was less about anything he did on the field, but more about just for him to be a freshman and for him to be so comfortable in that moment and for him to be sort of embracing all of the uh, all of the spotlight, all the big moments, and and, and not and, and and rising up to it, and and seemingly enjoying it like that. I think that's that is the type of thing that can elevate an entire roster in the same way. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, they both have kind of similar games. I think you know Ellinger's got a little more of that um, bruiser to him. That I think Tom Herman is is drawn to at, at the quarterback position, but Joe Joe Burrow's got some some kind of kind of moxie to his to his game as well. But I just think that the thing that makes them most similar is just that 
that leadership, that grit, that 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 uh, that that quality from an intangible standpoint. Right, Barton. When when there's two just off the charts chess chess matches to me in this game. One is essentially Tom Herman and his pro spread offense against Dave Aranda's defense, and then likewise. Steve Ensminger slash Joe Brady in that new dynamic LSU offense that was on display against Georgia Southern against Todd Orlando's defense. Of those two matchups, which one intrigues you more? Uh, yeah. uh, man, that's a, that's a good question. Uh, I think probably that the Texas offense uh, against the LSU defense, because the, the LSU defense, and, and I, you know, the same can be said about the Texas defense too, but I think the LSU defense from a personnel standpoint has a lot so many different ways that they can attack you. Um, they've got, they've got hybrid safety linebacker types. They've got sort of a really deep array of inside and outside linebackers that can be um, sort of mixed and matched to provide different looks and, and, um, and pass rush elements. They can go really big on the interior with 360 pound type of guys or they can, you know, they can go with more of a, a, a speed set and and get after the passer uh, in that way. So I think there's a lot of different um, uh, unique personnel groupings that LSU is capable of throwing at teams. And so I think because Dave Aranda is so, uh, you know, has so many sort of chess pieces to work with, um, and he is such a, you know, a, a smart, highly regarded coordinator, uh, and then you match him up with uh, with Tom Herman that always has such awesome game plans for these sort of big games and uh you know how's he going to use sam ellinger how's he going to protect him but also kind of utilize his strength uh running the football you know what's he going to do in terms of um you know getting pass threats out of the backfield and and kind of the just i think the different ways that uh texas can sort of counter lsu's personnel um with with what they've compiled in their skill group is, is just going to be, I think, really interesting. Um, so I'd say, you know, of the two, that's going to be probably the one I'm more intrigued with. But, I mean, just the – I think that's what makes this game so fun is it's not just a bunch of athletes out there seeing who's faster. It's it's going to be some real chess matches between four uh, or five, I guess, if you want to include Joe Brady in there too, um, coordinators that are that are so equipped to deal with this kind of a big moment. Barton, you know, we've seen Texas go head up with Georgia and win a line of scrimmage battle against Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. When you look at this Texas offensive line and a Texas defensive line that even though it, in some spots it lacks the experience last year's group had, uh, I think, you know, you can look just from the recruiting rankings with guys like Taquan Graham and, you know, Keandre Coburn, Moro Ojimo, uh, there's a lot of talent there. How do you think Texas stacks up on the line of scrimmage against LSU? Yeah, I mean, I think it's this is sort of the year where some of those guys need to take a step forward. You know, not that they were. I mean, those are those are quality players uh, and had good years last year. But I think in in this sort of a game is where I think we kind of we learned that um, we we learn whether those guys are kind of next level players because LSU's got a bunch of mass um, and and I think you know one of the beauty of Todd Orlando defensively is. Uh, he's going to make things difficult on an offensive line in, in terms of the way he's going to kind of be attacking as a defense. And uh, and so I think that there's, 
Uh, I mean, I, I think those guys are, are really high upside players, and they're really athletic on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and conversely, on the offensive side, like LSU throws a lot of mass at you there. And so, uh, you know, is Herb Hand's crew going to be, uh, I think, ready to take a big step forward and in, in, in just moving guys and and sort of winning a tough guy battle in there? And so uh, I think it's going to be – fascinating um you know i think both teams are really equipped on the defensive line and the offensive line to um to win this game um but i don't know i mean i think that uh that's going to be probably the probably the, the i mean everyone talks about the skill players all the big name guys on both sides but i think probably like most games um when it gets down to it it's it's going to be about who wins those line of scrimmage battles absolutely barton last one if there's if there's one individual battle position group battle that if you had to just focus as a fan, if you had to focus on just that individual game within the game, what is it for you? Yeah, and I tell you what, I'm I plan on digging into this a little more today because uh, I might write about this. Um, and but I, I I do think the one I'm most interested in from a talent standpoint is probably the LSU receivers against the Texas defensive backs yeah. because that really is, I mean, that's the sexy kind of speed on speed matchup. Right. Um, I, I'm so impressed with the way Texas has stockpiled athletes in the defensive backfield, guys with length, guys with elite speed and, and LSU over the last two or three years has been recruiting the wide receiver position as, a, as, as, as well as anybody in the country. So whether it's Terrace Marshall, Jamar Chase, uh, you know, uh, the, the Justin Jefferson, um, I mean, there's, there's just so many athletic guys that can make plays. And now I think Joe Brady unlocks some of that with his, his RPO stuff. And, and that's, a, that's a system that's going to really attack vertically as well. And so, you know, it's, it's time for Jalen Green and Caden Stearns and, and, and Brandon Jones and, you know, name them for, for those guys who are so talented to, to have some big moments. And they've been tested. I mean, we saw, I think this, you know, that, that Texas secondary is kind of gave Kyler Murray some looks last year yeah. in, in that uh, first, that first game that he wasn't used to seeing in terms of guys that can make plays in the football with that kind of speed and athleticism that uh, not many people can. And so they're, they're well equipped to deal with this matchup. Um, it's, uh, it's just going to be kind of good on good there that, uh, and, and you know, uh, I kind of hope both. I kind of hope the the Texas or the uh, LSU offensive line uh, sort of gives us an opportunity to to see that matchup, see some balls in the air where where two really good players are going up and trying to get it. Um, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. Barton, I don't want to pin you down for a prediction, but as we sit here, you know, early in the week, which way are you leaning in this one? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to sort of watch both games uh, a little more closely, Louisiana Tech and Georgia Southern game, and see if I can parse anything out of it. I'm not sure I'll be able to, considering they were both pretty pretty handy, uh, handily uh, blown out uh, outcomes. But I lean LSU as I sit here early in the week. Um, I just think, and I and I think LSU might be like the third best team in the country. I think yeah. that they're that good uh, and they're that talented. The the one sort of caveat and the one X factor is just I'd really believe Sam Ellinger is a good enough quarterback to to just put a team on his back and win just about any single game uh, that he's he's uh, he's playing in and so um, 
Uh, so I lean LSU early in the week. Uh, I have been known to change my opinion as the week progresses, but uh, right now I just think the way they've stockpiled that talent uh, and the, the coordinators that Ed Ogeron has, has accumulated – uh, are, are good enough to give them the edge in this one. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to, to check it out. I think we all are. There it is, folks. He's the director of scouting on 24-7 Sports, and the, he covers college football for CBS Sports. Barton Simmons joining us here on this edition of Longhorn Blitz. Barton, sorry for the technical issues when we started, but uh, it was good stuff, man. And uh, thank you so much for the time, and enjoy your trip to Austin this weekend. I will, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. I'll, I'll hit you up and, and make sure I'm going to the right spot. But, yeah, uh, it's fun. Happy to do it. I'm not going to wait in that line at Franklin for you, but if you need some recommendations, <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely hopefully help you out. Yeah, yeah. Give me the hole in the wall. Give me the unknown spot that the locals hit, and that's that's what I want. There you go. Thanks, Barton. All right. See you, man. All right. It's now time to switch gears. We'll talk recruiting for this Texas LSU game, and to do that, you know how we do it here on Longhorn Blitz. We got to bring in Horns 24/7 recruiting editor. Mike Roach, who will not be going to El Paso to watch Bijan Robinson. Mike, I hope those uh, those plane tickets were uh, refundable and or transferable. They were transferable, and I transferred them to two weeks uh, from the stated date, and I will be going to Tucson to see Bijan Robinson. Well, there you go. All's well that ends well. Mike, uh, We I know you've been on the road. High school football season has started. It's always a great time for you. We had a great time, as we said, doing the uh, the Dallas Lunch Bunch and the Texas X's uh, Fort Worth kickoff event. But, man, this is the big one. And from a recruiting standpoint, I can't remember a bigger game. Uh, you know, I know SC last year there was a lot of recruits in attendance, but not just 2020 and the commits and the, recru- the prospects that are left, but – Man, this 2021 visitor list for this game, it's about as loaded as I've ever seen for underclassmen at a game. And it's not over. I mean, we're still confirming names um, as we speak. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it is uh, really a stacked uh, a stacked uh, roster of names that are uh, coming in for Texas. Um, I mean, if you want to just stick specifically to 2021 for right now, uh, I mean, you're talking about most of the 2021 commits. Um, you're talking about guys like JoJo Earl, Teddy Knox, Latrell Neville. Uh, the Brockermeyer brothers will be in. Five-star offensive tackle Savion Bird, uh, J.D. Coffey, Jutavian Sanders, and uh, just confirmed L.J. Johnson last night. So, um, you know, a lot of big names, a lot of huge targets. So, yeah, I mean, I, obviously, um, with a chance, uh, they're going to be on on a big stage here, and um, with a chance to uh, to impress a lot of recruits, and you know, a lot of these will, will come down. You know, LSU will factor into a lot of these recruitments. So, um, obviously, you know, having a, a getting a big win over them at home in an electric environment will uh, could leave a lasting impression. And Mike, you know, we don't want to go too far down the road, but even you look at the few 2022s that are confirmed as of right now. I mean. Donovan Green out of Dickinson and Denver Harris out of North Shore of the Corner, those are going to be on track to be two of the top 2022 guys in the country. Uh, yeah, also Cam Dewberry from the Tascacena might end up being the top offensive tackle in the state that year. Uh, Marshall Harris, a kid from who, who just transferred from Baton Rouge with Teddy Knox uh, to the Woodlands. And then uh, Mecca Megua from Nolan Catholic has already probably got 30 offers. So, um, like I said, we're not even done uh, confirming. 
yet, but uh, really just a, a monster group of prospects and, and, a, and a great opportunity for Texas to set the table for themselves for the next two years. Mike, we've talked a lot about the commitments and we broke down, you know, last week or the last time we recorded, we talked about, you know, Billy Bowman and uh, you know, Derek Harris from New Caney, all these different 2021 guys. When you talk to the 2021 kids and even the 2022 kids, what right now is resonating the most with them in a positive manner as it relates to Texas? I think mostly that they they seem to be trending up, uh, you know, as far as on the field performance. Um, they're, you know, everybody I mentioned, I talked to says they seem like uh, te- they feel like Texas is moving in the right direction. Um, the coaches uh, have been, I think, I think the coaches have, have continued to adjust to recruiting uh, at Texas and continued to change kind of the way they do things. And a lot of them have mentioned, you know, the, the upfront uh, nature of the coaches and the way, um, you know, they've kind of been honest with them and followed through on their word. Uh, I'm just actually finishing up a, an interview with Denver Harris after his offer. And, you know, for, uh, for Denver, he came in in the, in the summer and blew everyone away at a camp. But Texas has a, a, a policy that they don't offer kids who haven't played varsity football. And they told him, you know, as soon as you play uh, varsity football, you'll have an offer. Well, he played his first game last week and had an offer the day after. You know, he mentioned that it, it, it was just big to him that they kind of stuck to their word on that. So, um, you know, I think those two things are really playing big for them right now. Mike, what else is top of mind for you in recruiting as it can relate to the LSU game or anything that, that really stands out to you right now? Um, it's really just f- figuring out the way this 2020 class is going to finish numbers-wise. Um, you know, so this week, uh, J.J. Hester is set to commit. Talking to a source, it, it didn't look like Texas was – or Hester was going to be in the plans for Texas anymore. Um, and that's purely a numbers-based thing. Uh, so I think that there are some hard decisions coming down the line. I think, like I said, we're just about to the finish line of this class. Um, really maybe only three or four guys left on the board, I think, um, now that I'm getting a clear view of numbers. So uh, figuring out how that's going to finish. Um, and then, you know, getting a, an early start on this 21 class and seeing – how they can continue some some positive momentum there and continue to build that group. Hey, I know you. Uh, I know the last time we we did one of these, you had just put in the crystal ball for Jatavian Sanders at, at Denton Ryan. Uh, any thoughts on him as a prospect? I love him. Um, he's a kid I saw last year, and he didn't have an offer from anyone. Um, and he was, to me, one of the most devastating defensive players in the state of Texas. As a sophomore at Ryan, just a, a fantastic edge rusher. I saw him in a game early in the season against West Mesquite, and he had like six sacks in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it looks the part. I mean, I spent most of the fall wondering what, what I was missing, why this kid didn't have an offer. And then once they started coming, you know, they really started coming quickly. Um, I think that for me, he's he's kind of a a guy who fits in between. He could be a B-backer. He could be a, a down lineman if he grows. Um, but, you know, you and I were kind of talking over, over the weekend that I don't think that positions matter as much anymore in this right. defense. And uh, the, there's no rigid, uh, you know, rigid type of, uh, you know, thing we need to look at and say, well, this is, this is exactly how it is. Um, I think that for Texas, 
you know, I think that they can find guys like Jatavian Sanders who are athletic and, and kind of deploy them in a bunch of different ways. And, uh, you know, they did that, I think, with Joseph Osai. And I kind of see Sanders in, in a little bit of that same mold. Um, you know, he's a guy that I've got an eye on this weekend. I've, I've heard, you know, if po- it's possible something could go down with him at Texas um, for the visit. So, uh, you know, he's a guy I'm, I'll really be watching uh, this weekend. Mike, if I said uh, uh, take my money and, and go to Vegas and put it on Texas, does or does not get at least one verbal commitment this weekend, where, what are you putting it on? It's tough because, I mean, I think a, a little bit of it's going to depend on the performance. Um, you know, without knowing how that's going to turn out, it, it's really hard to say. But, um, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and go out on the limb and say they do get one. a boy, Mike. There you go. You know, it goes against my conservative nature. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, that. there's a long pause right there. I was, wondering, I was wondering if you were thinking about backtracking it a little bit. No, I mean, look. Nah. You know, I we... mean, like, like I said, it's the, the you know, the uh, the performance bit, is it's hard to gauge. I mean, if they go out and get blown out, I don't think they get a commitment. But I don't think they're going to. Um, I think this team prepares pretty well generally, uh, you know, when it comes to that sort of thing. So, um I think that, uh, yeah, I think, I think I could see at least one, maybe two. Hey, folks, if you're not over at Horns 24-7, Mike and Clint Buckley are both doing great work right now. Mike's got uh, the Stampede ran on Monday. Mike has the latest on Alfred Collins. Uh, Clint saw Quentin Johnson, the Temple wide receiver, over the weekend. He also got the latest on Ty Jordan. So plenty of good recruiting stuff, and Mike will have you covered on everything you need to know about the guys coming in for the LSU game. We'll have aerial reactions, all that fun stuff. Uh, coming up after the game. Mike, what are your plans for this weekend, man? Uh, I am going to uh, – I've got a game Saturday morning, actually. Um, so I'll be out uh, that morning, but wanted to clear some time to watch the game. Uh, who's you play, know, who's it's playing weird. on Saturday morning? Uh, so they do the Tom Landry Classic every year oh, okay. at the Cotton Bowl. And sense. so they they run a bunch of games back-to-back at the Cotton Bowl. So 10 a.m., we've got a, a good one between Denton Geyer and uh, Cedar Hill. Uh, at the Cotton Bowl, so I'm going to go check out uh, Deuce Harmon, who's a guy in 2021. I think Texas eventually offers, and uh, and I think that you know he's a guy that could be in the class. So I'm going to go see him. But uh, you know, I <laughs> one of the the weird things about this job is you know I want to do the job as well as I can, see as many games as many kids. But you know, it was a weird feeling not being in front of my TV for the Louisiana Tech game, right. and instead being on a high school field. Um, I'm going to try to be at as many games as I can, but I, I blocked off LSU and Oklahoma, uh, you know, to be to be home and, and to be able to work those. Because as you know, I mean, if they win those games, that's a lot of work for us afterwards. Absolutely. You know, that's a lot of yeah. calling recruits and uh, late nights. So I'm going to check out that game Saturday morning, get home uh, in the afternoon, and then be able to uh, to uh, watch the game and. Uh, with my family, my brother, and my wife, and and his wife, and that's kind of what we do every week. And um, and then actually Sunday, my wife and I are headed out for a little trip to Vegas. So there you go. Well, while everybody's watching the Texas LSU game, know there will be some big time recruits in the house. And get over to Horns twenty four seven. Mike will keep you up to date on the latest. He is Mike Roach. He is the recruiting editor at Horns twenty four seven. And we are out of time for this interview. Mike, thanks so much for the time, man. I'll holler at you soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, have a good one, guys. All right, big thanks to Barton, big thanks to Mike, guys. It's decision time. Rod, start with you. First off, Matt, yes, sir. I believe at last check I saw, I believe the Vegas consensus was LSU a five-point favorite. Yes. And I think the over-under, I think I saw it, was it 50, right, 56? Did it get to 56? I have 55 as you have 55? Consensus. Okay. So, Rod, there's your over-under. Yeah, there's Tom Herman is an underdog. That's good. Let me just say it one more time for everybody to hear it. Tom Herman is an underdog against the spread at Texas. At Texas. Eight, two, and one, five outright wins. So, Rod, the floor is yours. What do you think? Man, since 2015, Tom Herman's the 13, two, and one. <laughs> Ten outright wins. 15, one, and one as a dog since 2015. Yeah. Oh, is there a fifteen one and one as a dog? Yeah, okay. he was five and zero at Houston. But ten wins, right? Ten outright wins as a dog. Oh, I is bet so. I'm not oh, okay. sure on that. Um, I'm just covering uh, spreads. Oh man, I got you. I got beats. you. Um, okay. Well, I'm gonna go. Man, I've been picking Texas all all year, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with Texas. I think Sam special. I think Tom Herman has Dave Aranda's number. Go back and I think Tom Herman has outscored Dave Aranda's defenses. By like like sixty points or something in the times they faced. Now that was with Ohio State. That, that Wisconsin Big Ten championship game where Ohio State beat Wisconsin was like fifty nine nothing. Yeah, they, I mean he's put it on them. So I'm gonna go with that. I'm gonna go with Sam being a special player, and Texas being at home. And I think this might be the biggest home game that Texas football has ever had. Yeah, uh, so don't don't hit me up with that, Matt. But, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you finish this up because I I got a feeling I know where you're going um, with it. Um, I, I'm gonna take LSU. And wow, I'll gladly be wrong. I just think at the end of the day, when you look at the two rosters, I think what the LSU roster looks like right now is what the Texas roster is going to look like next year. Hmm. I still think this Texas team is a year away, and that's not to say that they won't compete in this game. I think they're going to cover. It's an Ed Orgeron game, so I think it's going to be a, some kind of funky-looking score at the end of the day. Okay, I'll, I'll take LSU in a final 26-24. Okay. You have the same, um, nearly the same type of score as I do. And like looking at it, uh, I was going back and forth as both of you were and sort of felt like a homer if I stuck with my Texas pick because all offseason at home, all the trends fit yeah. with it. It looks feel, good. Yeah. And I really do think like you have the home field situation really does help. And like you said, Jeff, it's good for the matchup that say the best team possibly is the road team this year and next year. It only makes the game better because yeah. the home team is the one that may be a little bit deficient compared to the other, but I can go with Texas winning 27-26. It's like you have Dicker missing the game winner. I have him making it or something. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. I'll go 31-28, Texas. And then that means you and I have the over. Jeff has the under. Yeah, yeah Matt, because what was your line about Tom Herman and the under? Oh, Tom Herman and the under, he's been great. It, now, it didn't hit last week. Last week, that late touchdown Since ended up yeah. hopping it straight over. But it ended up being that uh, I know at Texas it was, what, 5-8 and eight and 6-8 and eight were the last two years on the over and under. So definitely trends under more so. But that's why this year, though, you have 
better offenses and LSU's yeah. modernization of the offense. I, I think agree. tempo is going to make it be a higher score. Yep. And right now, fifty-five percent of bets are on the over, and about fifty-five percent of bets are on Oklahoma or on uh, LSU. All yeah. I'm saying, if Texas wins this game, when we come back to do this show next week, we are having an entirely different conversation about the trajectory of the program and being a year away or where are you. Because if you're Texas and you win this game, not only are you in the playoff discussion, you're one of the front runners. You are, but I think we all agree Texas still is a year away. They're going to lose another game this year. Even but if they it, win that game, they're going to lose a game. And maybe that's if, the thing, Rod, that's holding they're gonna me, lose a game. Maybe that's the thing that's holding me back go, from picking Texas because they're not going undefeated. It's almost like you th- <laughs> it's almost like you think about it, man, if they win this game, where yeah, where they the could protection go, goes. but they're not going to go undefeated. Is the whole point. And one point right. that's not going to happen. This right. really doesn't Period. have as much bearing at all on the playoff chances. It does because the that's, Big Twelve that's called, yeah, is yeah. the sole but way if, to get in If there. you get into one of those, if you're if Texas or LSU is one of those one loss teams, well, you got a shot. Then yeah. and then and you've got this one on your resume. Then it'll be big. Yeah. It's gonna be big, it's gonna be no? It's 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 huge. Man. It's the biggest game in the country. So Texas biggest. I want, has Texas been on the stage bigger than this with Tom Herman? Because no. I would argue it's bigger than the Sugar. It's, it's big or bigger than the Sugar Bowl. This is like our. I mean, right? we've talked about the parallels from the 04 season to 05, and you know we'll be back in t- winning the Rose Bowl and winning the Sugar Bowl. This is the Ohio State game, game two of that 05 yeah, season. I that was the tipping point. That's where we're at now. And I, if we're talking about home games, it's 06 Ohio this, State's the only one. This that's is comparable. This, this TV rating will be higher than the Sugar Bowl rating, in my opinion. This is the most, and this is the biggest game for Texas me, they've had in recent modern history. No question. This is yeah. the most At home. this is the most significant game this program has played since the BCS championship game against Alabama. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. And it's, I think it's the biggest home game they've had arguably in the last 40 yeah, I would say last 40 50 years. Yeah. And home. that West Virginia game was was big, but you can't people, I mean the it, ni- it's different. The game the, day wasn't here and they the, don't the travel. The 90 Everybody yep. talks about that 90 U of H game being legendary. Yeah. I've yeah. watched it. I it's okay. Yeah. It was, 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 I, I took Medini's word. I've watched were it Were both no. teams top 10? We were. Yeah. So, I think U of H was, what, three in the country? Oh, oh really? Texas yeah. wasn't, were they? I think Texas was in the top 10 at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well then maybe. Be. But then yeah. maybe that could be it. That could be close. But then that, that U of H is not a blue blood. See, is that, there's so yeah. many reasons why LSU is better because LSU is a blue blood. Yeah. The, the only equivalent would be Oklahoma coming to Austin. Yeah, it, you know or Ohio I mean? State and, and, and both are ranked in the top ten. We're not Ohio State either because Ohio State's on a border. So they don't travel like we do. Poor people are coming to true, this game. True. Not just rich people. I'm sorry. To, that's the truth. I'm sorry. Like, rich people only travel you're to right. USC, you're Notre right. Dame games. And you're right. You can't afford to come down here if right. you're poor, all right? But poor people are traveling. And they're not coming for the game. They're just coming to Austin to watch their favorite team. I don't know if you've had a bigger game in Texas to watch you. That combines all of those things. That Agreed. 90 game, Texas was 14, U of H was 3. Top 10, dog. So we beat it. That's what I'm saying. Like, any game you give me, I'll give you a reason why this game is bigger. Yeah. It's the biggest game in Texas like said, football. I, I don't history. think I'm wrong when I say the most significant game since that Alabama game. No doubt. I think it's bigger than that. And All right. <laughs> Hell, I'm ready right now. But <laughs> as we sit here and record, we get a few more days. But we'll, uh, man, this is going to be it's a whole be crazy. hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Sorry, <laughs> Don't forget you can get this <laughs> podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, 
Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. And thanks to Matt, you can get our archives, classic shows, classic interviews on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.